names are interesting, intriguing, beautiful, descriptive, and, and oftentimes hereditary. Names can be controversial, creative, and sometimes even comical. <laughs> One thing names are not is insignificant. They say something about our hopes and aspirations for a newborn child. When my middle child was born, we thought long and hard about his earthly handle. We had a precious baby boy that only lived for 10 days. And when he died, we were devastated. And I began to pray that God would bless us with another baby boy. We had already had a wonderful daughter. She's going to be watching this session, so I want her to know how much we love her still. <laughs> but we longed for a baby boy. When my wife became pregnant and gave birth to our middle child, we wanted a name that would reflect God's goodness in answering our prayer for a son, as well as our hopes and dreams for that newborn child. We settled on the name Samuel Truitt. Samuel means God's gracious gift. The name Truitt came from George W. Truitt the longtime pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. When I say long time, Dr. Truett pastored that precious congregation for over 44 years. He was an incredibly powerful pulpiteer. But that is not what drew us to his name. The attribute that captured us regarding Dr. Truett was his generosity. It, it was said that George W. Truett could not keep a coat because whenever he would pass a homeless person on the streets of Dallas, he would give the coat away. On his 40th anniversary at the church, the congregation gave him a precious wool overcoat with his name embroidered on the inside and the stipulation that he never give it away. We thought that is a character, a quality of generosity that we would love to see in our newborn son. When my wife was pregnant with our youngest son, we wrestled with his name. We wanted a name that would reflect our commitment to missions and God's love for the world. Two-thirds of the way through that pregnancy, my wife was involved in a car accident. She was sitting at a stoplight. The car behind her did not realize that the light was red, and she was rear-ended. It pressed her up against the steering column. We had great concerns about the health and the safety of that yet unborn child. As my wife was on her way to the doctor 
to check on whether or not everything was okay. She called me at my office. I immediately left work and started heading toward home. As I traveled in that automobile, weeping before the Lord and praying that our child would be okay, I felt very clearly in my spirit, God say to me, your son is fine, and when he is born, I want you to name him Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a longtime missionary to inland China. He was one of the most creative, innovative missionaries that our denomination had ever known. Hudson Taylor was the first missionary that donned the attire, the culture, the lifestyle of the nationals to whom he was ministering in the name of the Lord Jesus in order to reach them. He lived his life on the cutting edge. And that is my youngest son, Hudson Taylor, who from birth has lived his life on the cutting edge. Sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But he has lived his entire life outside the box. Well, names were important to the Lord Jesus as well. They said something about his hopes and his aspirations for those who followed him. Consider the one who penned this precious epistle we have been studying. He was born Simon Barjona. Simon was a strong, masculine Jewish name. But it did not reflect the Lord's hopes and aspirations for the big fisherman. In Matthew chapter 16, the Lord asked his followers, Who do men say that I am? And they began reciting the latest opinion polls from the Jerusalem Journal and the Galilee Gazette. Some say you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah. Some say one of the other prophets. And then Jesus made that question extremely personal. Who do you say that I am? Peter, never one to have an opinion, he kept silent. Immediately declared in Matthew chapter 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, in response, gave Peter a new name, reflecting our Lord's hopes and aspirations for the big fisherman. We see it in Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to pick it up in verse 16. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are, here it is, Peter, no longer Simon, you are Peter. 
And upon this rock, this rock-like confession you have just made, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Thus he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to give you a new name. Petra, Peter, rock. And upon the rock-like confession you have just made, I will build my ecclesia, the gathering of my chosen ones. Evidently, at that moment, Peter became obsessed with rocks in sacred scripture. And in the, the passage before us, he now takes his obsession with rocks and applies them to the Lord Jesus himself. I encourage you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. As we continue scuba diving through this precious epistle of encouragement. 1 Peter chapter 2, we pick up our study in verse 4, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone. As I read the text, as you follow along, if you have your Bibles before you, listen to the number of times Peter uses the term stone in reference to the Lord Jesus. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice, that is a choice stone, and precious, that is a precious stone in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Here we go again. Peter's fascination with stones and the application of of a stone to the Lord Jesus. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value then is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, this stone, there it is again, which the builders rejected, so Jesus was a rejected stone by those, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. So the one Jesus dubbed the rock now in turn gives the term back to the one who gave it to him. But there is a subtle difference when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, you are Peter, Petra. Peter means rock, but it means more of a loose stone or a mountain range. In Revelation, where the, the saints are gathered together, it is Petra, a rock. But the word Peter uses for rock in reference to the Lord Jesus is the word lithos. It, it means a fixed stone, a set stone. 
a stone set in a specific place for a specific purpose. Now, and now look at the passage before us in this session. First, Peter refers to Jesus as a living stone. Isn't that an incredible contradiction in terms? A stone living? It is almost like saying an honest politician or a humble Texan. Those are oxymorons. They make no sense. Rocks are not a lie. We will sometimes refer to an individual as sleeping like a rock. What do we mean? They are so sound asleep, it is as if they appear dead. A living stone? That phrase makes no sense. And yet the phrase, in a wonderful way, reflects the uniqueness of Christ. On a cruel, rugged cross, he died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb because he was dead. Those who loved him mourned deeply because he was dead. For three days, he was dead. And then he wasn't. <laughs> that is why we sing up from the grave. He arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. The stone that was dead all of a sudden came to life. He is a living stone. And Peter says in verse 4, and coming to him, as to a living stone, and then later he will say, those of us who come to him as a living stone are made living stones ourselves. We are dead, but when we come to Christ, we are made alive. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, I love those words, but God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and transgressions, here it is, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him. When you and I come to Jesus, when we repent of our sin, place our faith in Jesus and make him Savior and Lord of our lives, the living stone, the lithos, in turn makes us alive. So Peter says Jesus is a living stone. Second, Peter refers to the Lord Jesus as a cornerstone. The corners, a cornerstone is the most pivotal stone in a building. It is the stone that dictates all of the angles of a building and thus where all of the other stones will be set. Obviously, I hope those of you that have watched this session have come to the clear understanding that the church is not a building. Now, we refer to the place where we gather for worship as the church, but that is not the church. The church is not a building. It is not a structure. It is not an edifice. The church is men and women just like you and me who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are the church, and as the cornerstone of our lives, Jesus is 
fixed, steadfast, immovable. He will not waver beneath us, which means all of the angles of our lives, all of the directions of our lives, all of the decisions in our lives are to be made in light of the cornerstone. Those of us who come to the living stone are made living stones and we build our lives on the fixed stone, the cornerstone upon which we build everything else in life. But tragically, Peter also reminds us Jesus was and still is to many a rejected stone. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah the 53rd chapter declared he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. The word Peter uses for reject is a colorful word in the Greek language. It means carefully, thoroughly examining an object and then violently, vehemently denouncing it and casting it aside. Psalm 14 declares, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. When you study that Hebrew verse, it's not saying that there are many, the fool has, is an atheist and says God does not exist. No, that is not what the psalmist implies. The fool has said, no God for me. I don't need him. I don't want him. He will not be a part of my life. What an accurate portrayal of those today who reject Jesus Christ. They do not reject him out of ignorance. They reject him out of defiance. They carefully examine him and then viciously, violently, vehemently lay him aside. But ultimately, the things we throw aside are the things that we stumble over. Peter goes on to say, for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom, they were also appointed. Jesus is a living stone. He is a cornerstone. He is a precious stone but he can also be a rejected stone and a stumbling stone. The question for each of us is, will we build on the rock or will we stumble over the rock? Each of us must answer that question very, very carefully. Because the answer to that question carries eternal consequences. We'll see you next session. Thank you for joining us in this session from 1 Peter. 
as you have been following us through this session, you have learned that Peter is seeking to encourage saints in the midst of their suffering by pointing them to the one who suffered for them and all that his suffering has made available to them. So 1 Peter is a letter of encouragement, and we hope this session has been an encouragement to you. If it has encouraged you, please let us know that. Knowing that we've encouraged you encourages us. If you're following us on YouTube, you can simply post a comment, or you can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know how we can minister to you further. So please reach out to us. Hopefully, we'll see you next session. God bless.